All right. Good morning. This morning we are going to be in Matthew chapter 8, and uh, I'd like to invite you to just listen to these words. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. God, as we explore these words from Jesus today, I pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us your spirit in abundance. Open our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our minds to all that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, these, uh, these words from Jesus are uh, what some would consider part of the difficult teachings of Jesus. Uh, what do we do with these words? Uh, teacher of the law, uh, and so the teacher of the law or scribe would be one who was uh, part of the rig- religious elite. He uh, had a position that was quite prominent, and he comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, if someone came to Jesus and said that, and and what we know of Jesus, uh, how would we think Jesus would respond? He he might say, great, come along, let's go on the journey, and uh, welcome, welcome to this new way of living out the kingdom of God. But instead, Jesus' response is, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then we're given no more information about this, uh, whether the conversation continued, whether the scribe just looked at Jesus dumbfounded and walked away, uh, whether Jesus just said that and then walked away and allowed the scribe to decide if he was going to follow Jesus after Jesus said this. Uh, There's just no more information for us. Uh, And then another disciple says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Um, So what, what is going on here? What is Jesus getting after And what is Jesus trying to communicate to these individuals and to the people of his day? And what does it mean for us today? Uh, Jesus says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, which is a term that Jesus would use to refer to himself, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So uh, apart from the hospitality of others, Jesus is without home. 
how should this affect his followers? What does this mean as it relates to material possessions, to our careers and families? Uh, when we read a text like this, what does it mean for us today to follow a first century Jewish rabbi who didn't have a home? Uh, what does it mean for people in our day in Marin County to think about following this Jesus who says, listen, uh, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then, and then this disciple, it's interesting, one is a scribe and the other says it's a disciple. The scribe calls Jesus teacher. So some, some people believe that the scribe saw Jesus as a very gifted teacher and healer but did not necessarily see him as the Messiah, whereas the disciple that, that comes and says, first let me go and bury my father, uh, the disciple refers to Jesus as Lord, so that the disciple did see Jesus as Messiah. We, we don't know for sure if, this, if that's the case, if the scribe saw Jesus as a mere teacher, whereas the disciple saw Jesus not only as a teacher, but as the true Lord and Messiah that has been awaited. And so uh, we have these odd responses from Jesus. Um, this disciple who says, first let me uh, go and bury my father, and Jesus says, let the dead bury their dead. Uh, next slide. What would it take to disrupt your routine? Uh, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Go to the bathroom, okay. Coffee? Coffee's a strong one. What's that? Check your phone. Yeah. Jump in the shower. Pray. What else? Maybe get kids ready for the day, brush your teeth, uh, whatever it is. What would it take to disrupt your routine? Probably something pretty significant, right? like a phone call at 4 a.m. that is a phone call you don't want to receive that would disrupt your entire routine for the day, right? Uh, in the first century Jewish world, the first thing you do as a good Jew is recite and pray the Shema. Shema is a Hebrew word for here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. This is what you would do. First thing you do in the morning, recite and pray the Shema. But the rabbi said there is one thing that takes precedence over reciting the Shema in the morning, and that is the death of your parent. And follow the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother. And part of honoring your father and mother is to prepare them for burial. And in the first century Jewish world, you would bury uh, a Jew on the same day they died. So you would prepare your parent for burial. Now, uh, in the first century world, it was the responsibility of the firstborn son to bury his father. And uh, you would generally get buried in some type of cave or tomb like this. And your body would be in there for a year. And then after a year, it was the responsibility of the firstborn son to collect the bones 
and place them in a bone box or ossuary. And uh, this is a picture of a first century bone box. Uh, next slide shows the Mount of Olives. And so, you know, in, in our world where we bury people in the ground, in their world, they would put them in a cave for a year, then collect the bones and put them in a bone box. So many scholars believe that this disciple that comes to Jesus, he, he says, first let me bury my father. Uh, maybe his father is still alive, and he wants to honor his father. And when his father dies, place him in a cave, and then a year later, place his bones in a bone box. So, some scholars uh, theorize that perhaps his father has already died, but the one year is not up yet, and he's waiting to be able to take his father's bones and place them in a bone box. And so he says to Jesus, first let me bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Je Jesus is disrupting the whole cultural understanding of what it means to be a good Jew. Uh, Je Jesus is saying, listen, you might have this idea of first let me do this, but th this is the thing. And I think this is what Jesus is getting after. What distractions in our life are keeping us from truly following Jesus? Uh, certainly, we're called to honor our father and mother. We're, we're called to care for our families. We're called to care for each other. I, I don't think Jesus is saying, don't obey the fifth commandment. He's certainly not saying that. What Jesus is saying is, if there's something that is first for you, before the kingdom, then it's a distraction to the kingdom. What, what is the distraction? What, it, what takes priority for you? Because Jesus calls us to live a holistic life. So part of the kingdom life is caring for our families. Part of the kingdom life is caring for our children. Part of the kingdom life is caring for each other. And so Jesus is not saying, no, you got to choose me before other people. It's all part of the whole picture. What Jesus is saying is, if there's something that you have prioritized that is outside of what I'm inviting you into in this way of life, that then you're going to just constantly be distracted. It's the idea of, you know, someday when I get married, then I'll, then I'll really follow Jesus. Or someday when I have kids, then I want to raise my children in such a way that, that we follow Jesus. Or, or someday when my kids are out of the house, then I can really focus on what it means to follow Jesus. Or, or someday when I retire, that then I'll really focus on what it means to follow Jesus. The, the thing for Jesus is it, it all belongs in the kingdom picture. And so the invitation from Jesus is, is not someday, it's now. The urgency of the kingdom, the urgency of following Jesus is now. So what does it look like in your life, in your career, in your family, with your children, with your parents, with those you do life with? What does it look like now to follow Jesus in all of that? Not someday, not putting it off, not wondering, um, eventually I will 
get there. Uh, next slide. You ever heard these words? I've never heard these words. <laughs> um, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How much longer? How much longer? Are we there yet? Uh, I think part of what Jesus is getting after here is um, the question isn't, are we there yet? Or how much longer? Uh, perhaps the question is, are we about the destination or the journey? With Jesus, it's always about the journey. Uh, it's not arriving at some place in our spiritual development. It's about experiencing spiritual development, human development, human formation on the journey with Jesus now. Right now, here and now is what Jesus invites us into, not someday, not uh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I, I'm going to fit Jesus into it. it. It's recognizing God's kingdom and who Jesus is and that everything in our life falls within the kingdom movement. How are we prioritizing the way of Jesus within everything that we have been entrusted with? Uh, James tells us, now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We, we I think this text uh, means so much more to us today than it did even in the day James wrote it to the people he was writing it to, because we live in such a fast-paced world, we live in such a transient world, we live in such a goal-oriented world, and, and we set these goals, and we have our retirement funds, and we have our college funds, and we, we have all these ideas, and, and we, we have academic expectations for our children, and sports expectations for our children, and, and we put this first and that first, and we have all these goals lined up, we have our whole lives planned out, and James is saying, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You have no idea. I wonder, what if we lived in the moment? What if we lived in the moment and just lived holistically the life Jesus invites us into? Now, goals aren't bad. Planning for the future is not bad. These are all good things. It's when they become the priority. It's when that's first. It's when we live with a, kind of a, a sense of, I have to have my life mapped out. I have to have my kids' lives mapped out. I have to be thinking about what's best for them. I have to be thinking about what's best for my family. And Jesus is kind of just part of that rather than central to it. When Jesus is central to our goals, to our planning, that then we live with open hands rather than needing to have it all figured out and have it all mapped out. Because the reality is we, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. Jesus invites us into the way of living with open hands 
and trusting that he has our best interest in mind and that we don't have to have it all figured out. That we can live in such a way that we love and trust Jesus and he will lead and guide us by his spirit. So, the first guy, the scribe, says, I will follow you wherever you go. And the second, first let me bury my father. But Jesus said, follow me. Uh, Next slide. Jesus doesn't invite us to just believe in him. He invites us to follow him. It's a big difference. It's not about a one-time conversion. It's about a life of following the risen Christ and the way of life he's invited us into. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says in the cost of discipleship, in the gospels, the very first step a man must take is an act which radically affects his whole existence. Jesus isn't something we just fit in to our life. Jesus is someone who radically changes our lives every way. Uh, This word follow, it's used multiple times in the Gospels. After verse 22, Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Uh, Verse 23, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Same word. And do you know what happened next in the boat? Big storm. Not good. Really bad time for the disciples. Uh, We don't know what will happen tomorrow. A storm may erupt in your life tomorrow. Uh, I, I wonder... The question is not, will life hand me detours, demands, and circumstances I don't want? Rather, how will I respond to life's detours, demands, and unpleasant circumstances? They will happen. The storms will come, whether tomorrow or a few years from now. They will come. Uh, The question is not, will they? The question is, how will I respond? Here's the thing. The disciples got in the boat, and they followed Jesus, and then the storm came. They were not expecting the storm. They did not want the storm. They did not like the storm but they followed, and Jesus was with them in the storm. When Jesus is central to our lives, the question is not will storms come, but how will we respond? And when we know, when we live with a deep, deep knowledge that Jesus is with us in the storm, we will respond in such a way that it will be life-giving. We might not be happy about the circumstances. We might not enjoy the circumstances. We might not want the circumstances. But we will respond differently as a Jesus people who know deep in our bones that Jesus is with us through the storm. Uh, Jesus is taking them to the other side. It's not just that there's a storm getting to the other side, but the other side is Gentile territory. This is unclean territory. The disciples chose to follow Jesus, get in the boat to go to the other side, and they got to be thinking, who, what, 
What? You're taking us over to hang out with Gentiles? Jesus is totally flipping everything for them. And they have to continue to choose to follow this Jesus and trust that Jesus knows what he's doing and has their best interest in mind. He's taking them to a place they don't want to go, and the journey getting there is not fun. And yet, they follow. Will we continue to follow when Jesus invites us to places we would rather not go? Will we continue to follow when on the journey the storms feel like they're going to kill us? When the heartache is so bad, how will we respond? Will will we respond knowing Jesus is present to us in the storm? Because he is. Uh, Ashley Cook-Cleary says, sometimes the love of God sends us on braver journeys than we had imagined. Often the love of neighbor interrupts our careful agenda and our overly optimistic itinerary. Uh, The theologian Samwise Gamgee said it differently. (laughs) If I take one step more, it'll be the furthest away from home I've ever been. Uh, what's the overly optimistic itinerary you have? And, And what's the one step more that Jesus is inviting you to take on the journey with him? He's always inviting us to more. Uh, next slide. Conversion is an ongoing process. We are saved and being saved. We are in Christ and being restored in the image of Christ. If if we don't grasp this as followers of Jesus, then we are simply waiting around for the destination rather than experiencing the journey that Jesus has invited us into. Conversion is always ongoing. We are saved and being saved. Jesus wants to continue to save each and every one of us. It's an ongoing process of living out the way of Jesus, of of coming into more full understanding of who we are and who we're created to be as image bearers of the divine and to live into that. It's an ongoing conversion of understanding that we are a people who belong, that we are a people who are a part of the body of Christ, that we are a people who are created to bring hope and healing and goodness and beauty and love and grace into the world. Uh, It's an ongoing formation. It's an ongoing journey. It's an ongoing invitation to live out who God has called us to be. Uh, Let's skip to the last slide, Rebecca. Uh, I think here Jesus is essentially saying, do not worry. Seek first the kingdom. Uh, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus is saying, listen, you, you, you have, you're, you're worried and anxious about many things. Do not worry. Follow me. Jesus is, let the dead bury the dead. It's not Jesus being mean. <laughs> It's not Jesus being disrespectful. 
It's Jesus saying, listen, you're, you're preoccupied with all this stuff in your life. Just let it go. Do not worry. Seek first the kingdom. And all this stuff you're preoccupied, it, it'll, take, it, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. It'll take care of itself. Just follow me. Trust me. Uh, or as Jesus says elsewhere, and the text we'll look at in detail next week, uh, listen to these words from Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, this morning, when you come and take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup, I want to invite you to renew your desire to follow this Jesus. That, that whatever preoccupations, whatever distractions are in your life, are in your orbit from following the risen Christ, uh, what would it look like for you th this morning to simply release those to God and change your orbit from those preoccupations, from those distractions, to recognizing God's kingdom orbit is so much bigger, so much wider, so much stronger than we could ever imagine. And all the things in our life have a place in God's kingdom. And God is inviting us to realign our, our priorities. God is inviting us to put Jesus central in everything, in our careers, in our families, in wherever we find ourselves, Jesus is inviting us to put him as the central person within all of it. Jesus' invitation is simple. Follow me. Follow me. See how I do it. And follow me. God, thank you. for the way of Jesus, for Jesus' life, and ultimately his death. That Jesus took the suffering of the world upon himself on the cross. That whatever pain, whatever heartache, whatever suffering we are experiencing, Jesus knows our pain, our suffering, our heartache. He has experienced it and experienced far greater. And it's this same Jesus that we believe, God, you rose from the dead by the power of your spirit. God, help us today to release the things we have put first in front of you. And rather than trying to fit you into that, God, may we recognize that your kingdom is the beautiful thing you've invited us to live into, this way of shalom, this way of hope, this way of love. 
God, help us to realign all the things in our lives within your kingdom orbit. To seek you first, to seek your kingdom first, and to trust that everything else will be taken care of. God, as we take the bread and dip it in the cup, may we remember your body broken, your blood poured out for the sake of the world. May we be a people who recognize that conversion is an ongoing process. So convert us once again this morning, God, to be the people you created us to be, to be a people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and mind and soul and being. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.